This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. While Becky Eldridge sat and had one of her last conversations with her grandfather, he asked her for one thing. Bexa, promise me you'll tell people that they're not alone. Promise me you will not stop what you are doing and will keep sharing the good news with others. Eldridge fulfilled her promise. In her second book, The Inner Chapel, Embracing the Promises of God, she shares the gift given to each of us, The Inner Chapel and how visiting it allows us to discover the promises of God. The Inner Chapel, Embracing the Promises of God, guides readers in entering their inner chapel, a sacred space within us where God resides through prayer and Ignatian spirituality practices. While offering practices on how to enter the inner chapel, each chapter provides an opportunity to reflect on a certain promise of God. Reflecting on events in her own life, Eldridge writes about the many promises of God present in our everyday lives. These include, we are not alone, God is always with us, even in our times of loneliness and despair. In these times, we must embrace God's gift of the inner chapel and be comforted knowing He is always present. We are loved unconditionally. Eldridge reminds us that we are loved by God and we have to increase our capacity to receive God's love for us. By opening to God's love, we are able to love others in ways we never thought possible, which internally pulls us to share the good news of this promise with others. We have a companion in suffering. Recalling her grandfather's battle with brain cancer, Eldridge discovers our companion in suffering, God. In the same way God companioned Jesus in his suffering, God companions us in ours. We are never alone because Jesus who suffered walks with us. Each of us has a unique call. We are all invited by God to understand and use the unique gifts he gave us. Through discernment, we are guided in saying yes to Jesus and allowing his gifts to guide our true calling. In this episode, Valeria Tellis interviews Becky Eldridge. Becky is an Ignatian-trained spiritual director, retreat facilitator, and author. She invites people deeper in their walk with Christ through facilitating retreats and days of reflection, writing, online retreat experiences, and spiritual direction. Passionate about Ignatian spirituality and teaching people how to pray, Becky leans on her 20 years of ministry experience to help people make room for God in the busyness and invite them into deeper relationships with God. 
Becky lives in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, where she meets with men and women of all ages for monthly spiritual direction and leads people through the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius. She directs in-person days of reflection and retreats, as well as online retreats to make the Ignatian Retreat experience accessible to all, and is co-founder of the women's ministry, Women of the Well. In addition, she offers weekly reflections on her own website, BeckyEldridge.com, as well as reflections on Loyola Press's Ignatian Spirituality blog, .magis. She shares life with her husband and three children. Here is the interview with Becky Eldridge. In your own words, who is Becky Eldridge? In my own words, well, as we're sitting here talking, I have a a little sign that's painted right next to me that kind of, I think, sums it up in nine words. And that is who I am in God is who I am. And while I could say a lot of things about what I do and the roles I have in life, I think that's what it ultimately comes down to. It's just the woman I am in God. And we'll be exploring that more later <laughs> with my questions. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. I bet we will. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I have a few warm-up questions, I call them, before we talk about your book, The Inner Chapel, Embracing the Promises of God. So my first warm-up question is, what is life? What is life to you? Hmm, what is life? Oh, gosh, man, how do you boil that down into just a few sentences? Um Life to me is joy and love and relationship, you know, um, just creation, you know, mm -hmm. all those things and how they kind of interplay together. Right. What do you think is the opposite of life, Becky? Well, death immediately comes to mind. And, but I, I think besides just physically, like our physical death, um, I think there can also be an emptiness, a hollowness, you know, that can feel like the lack of life. Yeah. Would you say more specifically sadness, depression, or not having a purpose? I think when I witness people be most alive, you know, I know that's a little bit different than talking about life just itself, but when people I feel like are most alive, it's, yeah, when they have found a meaning, a purpose in life um, that they have really tapped into like their inner, their inner source of, of where life comes from, which, you know, for me, I would name as God, that when there's, um, when they're most alive, they're bringing forth kind of the fruits of that, that meaningful relationship, you know, and, and I think you see people being alive that are in, that are experiencing joy and peace and love and generosity. And so the opposite of that to me would be when we're feeling, you know, the lack of joy, a lack of hope. Yeah. Yeah. Restlessness. Right. <laughs> you know, all the opposite things of that. Right. It makes sense. What is the meaning of freedom to you? Well, it's so interesting you asked that question today. Um, I, I just had this very interesting and meaningful conversation about this mm -hmm. very question. Um, I think freedom, really, it's an unbinding. 
you know, it's when we are being most like our truest sense of self, you know, who, who we're made to be. And so, you know, freedom to me is when we're really shifting and living with the spirit is what I would say. Um, that when we're kind of moving with the spirit that we feel this, um, true sense of, of being unbound, of being free, of, of living alive. It kind of goes back to that being alive. Right. Right. I love the way you connect that freedom to being authentic, to being in yourself, your own self. And then you connect being yourself to the relationship we have with the spirit, with God. Yes. What is the world's greatest need, in your opinion, at this time? Oh, I mean, it gives me goosebumps for you to say that because at this time, literally this moment that we're recording, you know, is as our, there's global suffering right now. Yeah. And the word that immediately comes to mind is hope. Um, I think we are longing for hope right now. You know, hope that's beyond in what I would name in my own, you know, I wouldn't, it's not human made hope, you know, it's hope that's beyond us, you know, the hope that I, that I think we truly find in the source, the one that brings us hope, which is God, this, you know, that hope is infused in us by God alone. And so I find there's such a longing right now to hold on to something, you know, to cling to something, someone that is, that endures through all things, you know, even this time that we are living in right now. Yeah, I like that. Speaking of hope, do you connect hope to faith and trust? Are they all the same? I do, yes. And just, you know, from the faith tradition I practice from and, and my, you know, beliefs and that they are one in the same, you know, um, faith, hope and love from the Christian tradition, especially, you know, they they are all their, their source is from God and from a relationship with God, a relationship with the spirit that, that they come, this, that they are in a love. There's a great Saint, Saint Thomas Aquinas that says that they are infused in us by God alone. Right. So they, they are all connected and interplay on each other a lot, I think. <laughs> right. That's also fascinating how you brought up the word love, oh, love, the state of mind, the state of being love. Uh, to faith, hope, and trust. So I guess my next question is about um, your definition of love and what are the manifestations of love in the human experience? In the human experience, yeah. Yeah, love. Some of these things I think are so hard to put into just like a succinct definition, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, again, I think when we feel loved, if we talk about it just versus how do we experience it, it's, it's when we feel we belong to someone, you know, that we are seen fully by someone yeah. um, and that we are accepted in all, every bit of us, right? Our good mm. or what we might name as the, the not so good parts of us, that there's a holistic um, sense of acceptance of who we are, you know, um, again, and we were talking about authenticity earlier. It's love to me is people, is someone accepting me at my most authentic sense of who I am. Right. If that, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. That makes me think about unconditional love. Yeah. So I guess my next question is, um, do you believe in unconditional self-love? 
an unconditional self-love, yeah. I think that's hard for us to do. <laughs> I, think, yeah, I believe in, yeah, it's hard to practice. And I think that that is a long work of our life. And in my just work as a spiritual director, one of the things that I see all of us, and I mean, I have to put myself in this boat, struggle with the most is just believing that we are worthy of love. It's so tied to, again, just you know, coming from my perspective of in my beliefs of it's tied to do we believe that God loves us as we are and that it impacts our view of our our love for ourselves and then also it impacts our ability to love and to share love with other people. You know, mm. um, it's all one and the same and and I think it's a hard thing for us as as humans <laughs> to believe, mm. you know, because we we have all these things that we say to ourselves and um, that have, we've ex- had experiences of in the past that make us think that we're not worthy of love, you know, that we're not worthy to belong, that we're not worthy to be seen fully. Wow. What you said it makes so much sense to me because it seems to me that's not possible to love ourselves unconditionally as humans if we don't have this understanding of this relationship with the divine first. It seems impossible to me in a way. <laughs> I would, I, yes, (laughs) I think that it's, it's truly, that's where I think when we, you know, going back to what we were talking about, like the faith, hope, and love that there comes a place that it's beyond our own human capability, right. To love. And and I think when we think of amazing stories that kind of catch our minds and imaginations, the, you know, just that you hear, we hear in the news, like these acts of great love, Um, these acts of great forgiveness, you know, that as much that there's a role that we as humans play, I think there is a source of our ability to love that comes from God, that comes from someone besides ourselves. And even, even in the sense of us loving ourselves, um, because I think we're just, we're human and we are good and we are beautiful creations. And, and yet, we still sometimes can't fully see ourselves as I think God sees us. You know, it's it's our life's journey (laughs) to come to unpack that, don't you think? Yes, absolutely. And I also think that without the relationship with the divine, it's easy to say that we love ourselves, but then we confuse that with self-importance, with selfishness, and even narcissistic behaviors. Yeah. It's very easy for that to happen without that relationship. We can love others in life itself without that divine relationship and unconditional love. It's just not, it's not possible. Yeah, because we, at some point, like you said, it will turn... Um maybe like where we turn too much into ourselves or we even, maybe it's a, you know, my ministry, like my work and my ministry comes out of um, St. Ignatius of Loyalist spirituality, Ignatian spirituality. And he would say, sometimes what we do is there's a disordered love. Mm -hmm. And so we could end up even, maybe it's not loving ourselves, like the narcissistic kind of sense, but loving others more than um, in an almost unhealthy way where like one person becomes almost like an idol or something that we look to, to define ourselves, you know? And again, um, that often is not unconditional love, you know? Um, Mm. But like you said, it's like, if we stay connected to God, the source of it all, then we can learn to love 
in a more kind of ordered way, I guess I would say, you know, in a more, in a way that just kind of keeps all in balance. Yeah. And it goes back to the uh, qualities that you spoke of earlier about joy, peace, inner peace. Those qualities, I believe, come from that kind of state of mind, a state of knowing, of yes. knowing. It's not even a belief anymore. Yeah. It's like a deep, I call it a deep bone knowing, right? Like mm-hmm. you, right. Even, like you can't yeah. put words <laughs> into it sometimes. It's yeah. just like this gut knowing that you come to understand, you know, I think when we've even just, I mean, maybe when we've even just scratched a surface of coming to understand the unconditional love that God, or if some, you know, or the divine, what, however we call that, it's so when we, when we just understand it a little bit, it just alter, it alters our life, (laughs) you know, and it really brings these fruits of joy and peace and kindness and gentleness and generosity, like out and out, out of us into the world. Yes. Right. But it can only happen if we get to know ourselves. And because um, that's my next question, actually, but where is God? And if I ask you, where is God? What would you say? Easily, I would answer in all things, <laughs> right. um, in all things. Right. And again, you know, talking, drawing from the the wisdom of Ignatian spirituality is that God can be found in all things. That meaning that the world itself, creation, all of the gifts in the world are given to us to help us come to know God more, right? To help us um, learn to you know, love ourselves, love others and, and, and love God more. Um, so there's this beautiful opening in what St. Ignatius calls the spiritual exercises. And it's called the principle and foundation and the principle and foundation that kind of lays out this journey. It's a 500 year old wisdom path. Um, that people still make today, that it starts with this principle and foundation that says, you know, God is in all things, that all of the world is full of gifts that help us come to know God. And so part of our spiritual path, part of our faith journey is to become aware of, man, what are the gifts? First of all, grow Mm -hmm. the gratitude for the gifts, the people, the experiences, um, that are before us. And then, you know, how, what are they teaching us about the work of God in our life? And that's my last warm up question. So that makes so much sense to me. What you said earlier about God is in all things. Uh, it's not easy. I don't think it's possible even to know all things, but step one is to know, I mean, I think the main, main purpose of being a human body is to know yourself because the more we know ourselves in our essential, in our essence, we'll know that God is in us and that will guide us in life and bring us to that, that knowing to that state of unconditional love. It's a knowing, right? It's a knowing. Once you get to know yourself, get to know that relationship that you have with God, then yeah, then everything else just flows. It flows. And it's such a, it's a, it's a mutual way, right? Like getting to know ourselves helps us get to know God more and getting to know God more helps mm. us get to know ourselves more. At least that's right. from my experience, right. you know, right. and, and the more we're aware of that 
and, you know, and I think it's important that it's not ever just about us, Mm. but as we come to know unconditional love more from God, it's, we can at least do, do a much better job sharing that with others, right? Because if we've experienced it a little bit, then it's like, oh, Mm -hmm. I can share this too, right? That I can share this way of loving. Um, And so there's such a mutuality in it, you know, that it's both about receiving what God has given us, what we are giving God. And then in turn, it also enables us to give and share more freely with others. You know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. Yes, yes. And my last question is about that purpose. Um, What is your life purpose? How did you discover it? Not in a general sense, but your unique gifts. Yeah, it's such a long journey, I think, that we're always on to discover our kind of unique call and purpose. Um, And I mean, right now, what I can name, and, and this has changed the name, how I would name it, but today I would name it as my purpose is really about inviting people closer in their walk with God, right? Inviting people deeper. And, and it's, into, it's all the things that we've been talking about, right? And because growing in deeper in God helps us know who we are more, which means we are uncovering our own unique creation where we're, we're we can name then our own gifts. And, and in turn, as we come to name all that and understand that and understand, man, we're loved, we are seen, we're, we belong to someone, um, then we can, the way we go about living our life is different. And then we can bring those gifts out into the world. Um, and that's, I mean, that's truly my heart. I mean, that's just what I love to do. (laughs) I was made for. (laughs) Yeah. And I can tell (laughs) by the way you express yourself. Um, Yeah, that's beautiful. I really, um, I have to thank you for that because um, this is something that it's wonderful to see in the world, the manifestation of love. What do you call God? I also call love with capital L, unconditional love. And it's um, beautiful. Thank you. And don't you think joy, I mean, and I know joy is a piece of your vocation and call, it seems, but joy to me is such a sign of that bearing fruit. You know, I think when we see joy in others and we witness it, it's like, Oh, something has happened. Like you have encountered, like there is something profound at work here. And that's what I'm all, it's almost like one of those signs we look for, you know, and you're like, Mm. okay, wow. I see it. (laughs) Yes. Right. I can't even see you, but I can hear it in your voice. So yeah, it can be felt. That's true. Becky. Yeah. So let's talk about your work. What was the inspiration, intention, and the process of writing your book, The Inner Chapel? Yes. Oh, I still can't believe it's like here and out, you know, because it's it's always such a journey to write. So my my heart is I've done um, through the years, I've done retreat work for a long time. And as I mentioned, I'm a spiritual director. So a lot, I've spent a lot of time listening to others, listening to other stories, um, and, you know, helping them, you know, again, from my, you know, the language I use is to, is helping people learn how to pray, right. And helping people Mm -hmm. come to know God. And this idea of the inner chapel apparently (laughs) was around a lot longer than I realized. And, 
I have a dear friend um, named Stephanie and she and I do a lot of retreat work together. And she's the one who first asked me, and it was probably maybe two, three years ago. And she said, do you hear yourself talk about the inner chapel? And I'm like, I don't know. No. <laughs> what are you talking about? You know? And, and so I started listening, you know, kind of to myself. And I even was noticing it in my own writing. Like I do a weekly reflection and I started realizing I use it a lot. And so that idea was kind of planted in there. And then my grandfather, um, who I belovedly called Boppy, my Boppy, um, he was diagnosed with a terminal brain cancer. And that was in um, 2016. And I grew up next door to my grandparents. So I just have a very near and dear relationship with them. And so um, my husband and I were two of my grandfather's caregivers. And bottom line is, as we walked with him um, through his cancer, there came a moment towards the very, very end that my granddad, he um, called me over to his bedside and he made me make him a promise. And his promise that he asked me to make was he called me Bexa, like the only person in the world that called me back still to this day calls me, called me Bexa. But he said, Bexa, promise me you'll tell people they're never alone. Like promise me you will tell people what we know, you know, and it's, it's everything that you and I've already talked about. It's like he wanted, he wanted me to keep, to let people know how to walk through even hard spots um, of life with leaning on God. And so he passed away in, in 2017. And again, I didn't really think much about it. And then finally, this this kind of <laughs> rising um, welling within me to write this book began. And, um, you know, it truly the spirit brought it forth, <laughs> you know, and I mean, and then there's just this long journey of writing. Um, but I feel like this book, it's just a fruit of like the long path of the work and the ministry that I've been called to of my own experience of visiting the inner chapel, you know, which I just named the inner chapel as the space within us where God resides. Um, and because of it, we're never alone. Um, we always have someone with us, you know, and so it, it's the books coming from my own experience of going to the inner chapel every day for over 20 years and the the work of listening and walking with others and teaching other people how to access it and how to come to it um, so that they can discover, again, all these things you and I've said, <laughs> unconditional love, yeah. um, the fruit of joy, the source of hope, all these things. I love that. Yeah, when I read this in your book about the promise <laughs> to tell everyone that they are not alone, right? Yeah. And that is so true. It, uh, he uh, continues to yeah. pull the best out of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I can hear that too <laughs> yeah he was yesterday even as the book was you know like the official launch day and it was uh I texted a friend and I said and family member and I was like you know he's not here and he's still pulling out the best in me and the best in others you know like <laughs> I, again yeah. it's like what we're talking about like the joy was there and it still felt because of the relationship we had and all you know Right, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, love never dies. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> right. 
love never dies. So my next question to you is about what you have been talking. You mentioned um, maybe two, three times Ignatian spirituality. What is it and how did you discover it? Yeah, I love Ignatian spirituality. It is my home. <laughs> and and what it is, is it's this kind of way to God, a pathway to God, I would say, that is over 500 years old now. Um, and it it began with St. Ignatius of Loyola, who was back in the 1500s. And he basically had this huge conversion moment in his life, you know, where he was a, he was in Spain, he was a soldier, well-known womanizer. And he had this moment of being in battle, a cannonball hit his leg and he was cooped up, you know, he had to recover in his sister's castle, a rough place to recover, you know, (laughs) but um, he's laid up in his, in his bed. And he, as he's laying there, his sister brings him to, you know, two books to read again, who knows? I was, I can't wait to meet her one day. You know, I can say, did you really only have two books in your castle? But, um, the two books were one on the life of Christ and one on, um, the book of saints. And so he, as he was laying in his bed, he was pondering, you know, do I continue this path? You know, what's been laid out for me kind of by my family and my culture, which is, you know, to world, to go the path of worldly ways of, um, becoming a soldier and, you know, glory and all of that. Or do I kind of lay my sword down and begin this new way of kind of walking in the life? of Christ. And so as he laid there, um, he, you know, kind of decided and, and the, this, the Holy spirit helped him know that there, there was a new path for him. And so he goes and he lays his sword down and there's this moment that he has, um, he went, he ended up in the caves of Manresa in Spain for a long time, you know, begging and, and praying and, um, you know, just kind of getting to know God. And he had this moment where he stepped outside of the caves and it was right along the river Cardinere in Spain. And he looks up at the sky and is overwhelmed that God is somehow in everything. You know, and so what we were talking about, this finding God in all things is a key piece of his own conversion. And it's a kind of foundation of this spirituality. Mm -hmm. And so his life work, when you're talking about his, you know, meaning and purpose, what your life's called, his life work became about helping people come to know God in this kind of unique way, which is, you know, this growing this awareness that God is in all things. And and, you know, coming to understand that we each have this unique call um, and unique gifts and that there's um, a way to use it. And I think the other piece about Ignatian spirituality, and there's a lot we could talk about, but just in the time we have is it's a contemplative spirituality, you know, so meaning that it's, it's often stated as a contemplative in action. So it's this path that gives us in our daily life, a way to daily pause and go to our inner chapel, you know, pause for prayer and get to know God and then to continue living our world, living our lives, right? Living out in the world. And so it is a spirituality that I have just found such a home in as a busy woman. Like, (laughs) I mean, I'm a, you know, I'm married, I have three kids, like I work, like, and 
I learned about this spirituality through the sisters of St. Joseph, that they educated me, you know, kindergarten through 12th grade. And, and it, I didn't really put a name to it until I was in my graduate program, um, through Loyola university in new Orleans. And it's, so it's always been part of me. I was kind of immersed in it, it but I didn't have a name for it until I was, you know, in my early twenties. And, but it's, I just, I find it as a way that helps me stay very grounded in who I am and grounded in God and discerning, you know, so it's like, I don't, it helps me not live my life like reactionary. Like I feel like it can be purposeful and intentional and, and with meaning. I could say more. I won't go what I could bore you forever. I'll be up. Yeah, that makes so much sense. What are you saying? You're making our own lives a practice uh, of this relationship with God because it's, um, in a way, it's easy to walk away from that space of love with capital L, unconditional love. Uh, And that's one of my questions to you. But before that, um, you call yourself a spiritual director. So, what is that exactly? Yeah. So, yeah. So spiritual director is really my job. My role is, it's hard to even say it's a job because <laughs> I love it so much, but it's, it's really being a holy listener. You know, it's listening to, I mean, before I was on with you, it's what I was doing this morning and it's simply listening to other people, right? Listening to their stories, listening to their own experience of God in the spirit and really just helping them discern, you know, what are the movements of God in their life? Um, Helping them learn how to pray, um, helping them discern invitations that they may feel welling within them. And so really it's, it's just a, it's a role of listening um, and asking questions to the person so that they can like, again, like you and I keep saying, <laughs> discover who they are and just, you know, get to know God more. Um, and then I also do, I'm, I'm a retreat facilitator. So that's kind of taking the spiritual director role, but in a broader sense, cause it's not just one-on-one it's like with a whole group of people um, and kind of just, again, facilitating some contemplative space for them to pause, to be with themselves, to be with God, to be with maybe, you know, also each other that are in the room. And I think it's, it's, I just love it. I mean, <laughs> I'm just so grateful that I was called to this because um, it does, it, it brings so much joy into my life. Yeah. Uh, I keep saying I can hear it. (laughs) I can feel it and I can hear it. That's so wonderful. And um, a question that came to mind is you live your life practicing this relationship with the divine. And I'm just wondering if there's still space for doubt. And what do you do? How do we know when we have those thoughts that they are not in alignment with the divine, that discernment that you spoke of, how do we know for sure? Yeah. Well, first of all, I think there's got to be room for doubt. Right. (laughs) right. I mean, it's like you said, the wrestling with the questions are part of, to me, just part of the journey of life and definitely the part of the journey of faith. And so 
I think the questions, um, like you said, they, they can end up becoming profound moments of healing and of insight for us. Um, if we allow ourselves to kind of enter in them, um, I, I often think of questions or those moments of doubt. It's, you know, it's like driving on the road and there's like a, a construction and you, at some point, even if you're going around a detour, you've got to deal with it. <laughs> it's like, you can't, you know, right. you don't get to just skip over it. Wouldn't it be nice? We could just fly over it or something, you know, but <laughs> I think the same is true about doubt, right? Like we can't, we may take a detour around it for a little bit, but at some point we're going to have to wrestle with it. Um, so, and then the discernment thing and, and St. Ignatius has such amazing wisdom about discernment that I think can be applied. Um, I mean, obviously he's writing and talking about it from a Christian context, but his discernment of spirits, um, I think is something we can all pay attention to. You know, what he offers us is when we are kind of on the path that God has laid out for us is he says we experience what he calls consolation, which we've we've already put some names to in other ways, right? It's when we feel love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, generosity. Um, and then when we kind of are not, you know, we're kind of stepping away from like the source, right? Stepping <laughs> away from God, then we're gonna feel the opposite of that, right? We'll feel mm, anxiety. Yeah will feel restlessness, a lack of hope, a lack of joy. We might feel sadness, but sometimes sadness is part of the journey of life and, and it can be in sync with God. So, so much of St. Ignatius's, again, his 500-year-old wisdom that he offers us is how to pay attention to that discernment, right? So that we ultimately can do more of what brings consolation into our life, right? Brings more joy, brings more hope, brings more love, um, and do less of everything else. Right. (laughs) So, and that's a bit about, you know, even your question earlier about how do you come to discover, how did I come to discover my call? It's, I began to become aware that, oh man, when I do a retreat, when I listen to others, there's a lot of joy in that, you know, there's hope in that. And the more I do it, the more hope and the more joy and the more love and my ability to love increases as well. Right. Wow. That's a a great way of knowing. You're right. You have the feelings. If we pay attention, they are there in front of us. It's so easy. We feel all the time. We just have to pay attention to the feelings. I agree. Yeah. And the awareness. And that's a big piece, I think, of Ignatian spirituality is just awareness in general, right? Awareness of the gifts, awareness of the feelings, like you're saying, awareness of God and all things, like that the, the, the gift of awareness um, is a key piece of it. I have another question for you. You spoke earlier, this is part of the Ignatian philosophy and wisdom that God is in everything. And I agree 100%. Once we understand that and we know that this is a truth, how do we practice to be in that space when we see the opposite happening, things that go against our liking? Let's say, I don't know, all the violence, ignorance, and... Yeah, well, and while God 
Yes. I, I think I understand your question. Please catch me if I'm not answering this in the way you're asking. But I think that, yes, God is in all things and there we are also human. And so we make steps, we make choices um, that are not in, in kind of in sync with God's desires for us or for the world, you know? Um, mm, right. And so what do we do about it? I mean, number one, I think is we keep committed to our own practices, you know, our, yeah. and so that we can stay grounded and anchored and rooted in something beyond ourselves, you know, um, a truth, like you said. And then I think part of it is for us to be kind of those sources of light, sources of joy and hope um, in the world that, you know, bring light out into some of the darkness. And, and, and I don't mean that in a, um, lofty kind of philosophical kind of way. I'm talking like boots right. to the ground, you know, that we <laughs> become, and that's, and I love the part of Ignatian spirituality. It's, it's about contemplative in action so that it's not just about staying in this like warm, fuzzy posture with God, you know, in prayer, but it's what that calls us to right? It calls us to live differently and it calls us to action, you know, so to be change agents, to be, um, sources of hope, like I said, hope and light that go about helping transform some of, some of this that we see. Does that, am I answering a question? I don't know if that makes sense. Yes, it does. Because when you talk about action, it's not just uh, doing something per se, but also a state of mind where there's no judgment. When we see that happening, we are not the first ones to judge. <laughs> what comes to mind? What is your state of mind when you're faced with something that's horrifying? But the thought, I mean, the one word that comes to mind, um, Valeria, is sorrow. Right. Like I think mm. let's just talk about it from love, like, right. As you're naming like capital L love, you know, as I'm calling God, you know, that I think that part of love is having compassion. And, and I think having that, that so steeply in us, like infused in us, you know, love and unco- conditional love from God in us, it really makes our heart very, it can bear, it doesn't always, but it can make us very compassionate for others suffering and the suffering of the world. And so I think sorrow is such a, it's a gift in a sense, because it, it, there's something tied to love and sorrow, you know, that, that it means we care, you know? So I think sorrow comes to mind. And then really, I mean, again, you, from my context of just my language, it's, I would, it's like turning that into prayer and that that prayer then, as I'm talking to God about the sorrow, I see the suffering, the violence, the hurt, the brokenness, um, which are all part of our world because we are human, it's that prayer makes a, my heart more compassionate and B God will often call me to act right in, in small and big ways. And so I think that that's all part of it, right? The part of the awareness 
is also seeing the hurt in the world, right? It can't be a blindness to the only that that all is so peachy roses. I mean, I think that's not (laughs) real. And I think when we think of words like joy and hope, they're not naive, right? They they are, there's like a depth to them, you know? And um, I always think about the wisdom of people's eyes that you see joy in, like when you just look at somebody's eyes and you're like, wow, this person has joy or hope, they, you often come to know they have lived a life of pain too, right? Of mm. sorrow and hurt and, and through that have become more compassionate, loving, joyful, hopeful people. That is a great answer. <laughs> and it's true. So true. Yeah. I think l- joy and sorrow, they can coexist. A lot of people, they don't believe that, but they're like you said, they believe in when you come to deeper understandings about life and spirituality, you have a relationship with the divine, with God, and you come to understand what unconditional love is. They might think that sorrow, it's over and we'll never, you'll never feel that way again, sad, but that's not true. Yeah. No, when, I mean, it's part of life. I mean, again, your question about life, <laughs> life yeah. holds, it's a both right. and right. There is both joy and sorrow. And, you know, and I think part of just the spiritual life is helping coming to see both. Like, cause I think it's important for us to see the moments of joy and goodness and all of the things we would kind of name positively to not be blind to our own suffering, like our own pain, our suffering of other people, the global suffering in our world. I think the more we realize they're both there, um, I think it's like part of the deeper walk in our spiritual lives, you know, is that they're, they're both and are always present. If we're honest, with ourselves. <laughs> right. Yeah. There, right. Um, yeah. Because this is a dualistic um, reality. Right. So that will always exist. Yeah. The opposites. Right. Uh, would you like to add anything that you feel it's important to disclose and I didn't cover with my questions or even read a passage in your book? Oh, man. <laughs> Gosh, there's so many questions I want to ask you too. <laughs> um, but that's okay. Another another time. Um, yes. I guess the biggest thing I'd end on is just letting people know that they're not alone. Um, and I know that's just, I think there's such extreme loneliness in our world and isolation. And even, you know, I've heard someone define even our young, our young generation, our younger generations are the loudest, quietest generation in a sense, because while they are more quiet and on screens, there's such this loud isolation and disconnection. And, um, and I think that's the real premise of my book, you know, is, letting people know there's hope because they're not alone because the inner chapel exists in the first place. Yeah. What a wonderful message, uh, Becky. Thank you. Thank you. I have a few final questions for you. (laughs) Unrelated to the subject, but you can always link it back. And I think you will. (laughs) So (laughs) how do you define success? What is to be successful? I would really define success, um, not probably in, in any way how our culture would define success. But yeah, I thought so. It, it really, to me, it's 
it's living our lives in the way God is inviting us to live them. You know, that is to me what brings the peace that we long for, the joy, the hope, the love that we long for. Um, and it's hard to even put success in that, that word, but I know why. I mean, I get why you're asking it. <laughs> you know why I asked yes, the question, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, that's what we talk about. I mean, it's it's the, that, that word is a key part of our, you know, just the culture we live in right now, you know? Yeah, how they define success is very different, yeah, the way of the way we have been talking here and, and the way I talk to everybody and the way you prob you talk to everyone around you. <laughs> um what was the hardest lesson to learn about yourself? The hardest lesson probably that my identity was not tied is not tied to things or people <laughs> or um, all the ways we try to define us. But that, I mean, it's kind of when you said, who, who am I? You know, it's who I am in God is who I am. Um, and that is taking me so many years and I still, I'm still learning it. Um, but that lesson has just been a life, a lifelong journey for me <laughs> to accept. <laughs> Yeah, I think for all of us, yes. you're right. Yeah, because sometimes we feel, oh my God, I'm I'm being too much of Valeria. That's not good. Yeah, <laughs> and that might be part of it too, because God is in us, so um, everything is God, as you said, and I believe that. Yeah, if you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything differently? Wow, I love this question. <laughs> oh, let's see. I mean, I would have to just go with like kind of your most generic answer, which is not really generic, very meaningful, but it would be spending. I mean, I just keep thinking of what my grandfather did <laughs> and it's generously spending time with those you love, um, the loved ones in my life, generously sharing my gifts and allowing myself to generously receive, I think, the love of others, right, too. But I mean, I think, and I mean, and that was like the gift, the, the gift of walking with someone facing their death, you know, was watching what really came to matter. And it really was his, my, for my grandfather, it was his faith. And it was the people that God had put in his life to love and to be loved by. And I think that's, that's what I just would want to do, like, hang out as much as I can with my <laughs> husband and kids and <laughs> my friends and family and um, generously share the gifts that I've been given. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, one of the answers I, I get really often. Do you believe in life after death? And if you do, what kind of life? Yes, a thousand percent. I do believe in it. And I believe in eternal life, um, life with God. It's hard to even imagine what that would be like. But I just imagine there is, um, I, I mean, again, I don't, I know I keep talking about my granddad, but I just think about the moment I was standing by his bed and I watched his kind of spirit leave his body, you know, and there was this restoration physically that happened in an instant, like if his physical body even, you know, and um, like he had been kind of in pain and he went to his face, just kind of went into this peaceful place. So I just imagine it's an eternal life of peace and of love and of hope and joy, unlike we can even fathom right now. What are three things about life you know for sure as of today? 
three things, only three things. Okay, three things, three things. <laughs> I know you know more than three, but. <laughs> number one, and I, was, I know I don't mean to be a broken record, but number one, I know I am not alone and we are not alone. Number two, I would say we are unconditionally loved by God. And number three is we belong to someone that we, so no matter what happens in life, good or bad, up or down, we're not alone. And we are with the one we belong to and who unconditionally loves us. How wonderful. Thank you so much, Becky, for your presence, your wisdom, your mission. It has been a joyful, a lot of fun, spiritual fun, I call it. Um, (laughs) It has been peaceful to very peaceful. Thank you. And thank you for what you do. I know you're often, the light is not shining on you, but it is because of the joy that you exude and bring out others. Oh my God. Yeah. And I'm very aware of that. (laughs) (laughs) It was so Um, nice to know you, to meet you here. So the same here. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Yeah. So my website is um, beckyeldridge.com, all E's and Eldridge. So B-E-C-K-Y-E-L-D-R-E-D-G-E.com. And that's where you can find about my retreats and spiritual direction and um, books. And then my book, The Inner Chapel is available, you know, at kind of all your normal book book places, Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, um, Indie Bound, and my publisher, Loyola Press too, um, has them available for sale. So that's where to find me. Thank you so much again, Becky, and we'll talk soon. Thank you, Valeria. Thank you. Bye for now. you for listening. To learn more about Becky Eldridge, please visit her website, beckyeldridge.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Vickrock. Thank you again for listening, and bye for now. Bye.